Okay, you start to record. Yeah. Okay. Well, good day, everyone. I hope you all continue to be well and healthy. This week's Parsha Pinchas uh, raises uh, a number of issues uh, that really have uh, long-term effects. First of all, what happened here? At the end of last week's Parsha, the Torah described for us that the uh, daughters of Midian uh, seduced men from the Jewish people and uh, in the heat of the seduction they insisted that these men uh, worship idols the method of worshiping the idol of Balpoor was especially ugly the Gemara seems to think that the method was to defecate in front of the idol. And uh, in the heat of their passion, they gave in. And uh, the uh, situation fell out of hand. And that one of the leaders of the tribes, Zimri, the tribe of Shimon, uh, had liaison with Cosby Basur, who was one of the princesses of Moab, in front of everyone as a symbol that, so to speak, the old order is gone. And this is the new uh, progressive idea. This is what's going to be from now on. We're going to be like everybody else. And they did so because they are now aware, before she pointed this out, the backdrop to the story is the Jewish people know that Moshe is, so to speak, no longer the power. He's not going to Eretz Israel. Yoshua is going to go. And in their eyes, they were the equal of Yoshua. Moshe they still were afraid of. But after all, Moshe ascended to Sinai, came down with the Torah, his face shone. He, could, he brought water from the rock. He defeated Sichon and Og. But uh, Yoshua is, you know, he's Josh. I mean, he's, uh, so there's nothing special here. If there's nothing special, then uh, we're going to be like everyone else. And if the daughters of Midian offer themselves up to us, uh, why not? Should we, why should we not benefit from it? And the fact that we have to worship an idol, everybody worships an idol. Trampant throughout the world. That's the culture. And we don't want to be out of step. 
So this occurs in front of the eyes of Moshe and the Sanhedrin, and they are powerless. In the Torah it says, They are weeping. Because of the fact that the Moshe sees the whole 40 years slipping away. The whole Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, Matan Torah, bringing the Torah down. It's all going now. It's all gone. There'll be a footnote in the history book. If that. So they wept. They wept over their own demise and over the demise of the Jewish people. In weeping, Rashi quotes here the famous Gemara. The Salmo Mimenu Halocha. Moshe didn't remember what the halacha is here, what to do. And before she explained that to have a true sense of halacha, to come to a decision, one has to have a clarity of mind. One cannot be governed by the emotion of depression. And not only that, if one has any emotion, it has to be an emotion of simcha, of joy, of exhilaration. I have halacha. I have the Torah. And so to speak, the Lord is going to help me decide correctly. The Gemara says on David HaMelech, it says, David David was successful in all the ways of his life. He's a poet, he's a songster, he's a king. He's uh, the great spiritual author of Tehillim. And then it says, Vashem Imo. And the Lord was with him. And the Mufarshim say, Hashem Imo means Halocha Kamoso Bechomokom Vemokom. Where he was able to decide matters of Halocha, it was a matter important matters, he was able to come to a decision. But that can't happen if you're weeping. And uh, we all know that in life it's hard for us to uh, let go of our tragedies. They are constantly with us. They weigh upon us but that we can't go on in life that way. Because I'll say, God arranged people that they can forget their tragedies. And perhaps they can't permanently forget it, but for an instant you can forget it. For an important moment you can forget it. And here, they're weeping. Moshe and the Sanhedrin, they're weeping. So therefore, the bimenu halocha. So he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what the halocha was. 
again, Moshe Rabbeinu, that brought down the whole Torah, that knew the whole oral law, that is the greatest of all prophets. What do you mean the Salman Mena Aloha? You didn't know. How could that be? So one insight which I have just emphasized to you is because he was weeping. Even the great Moshe, if he's weeping, it's this Nisalma and Aloha. But there's a, another insight that Chazal say here. The Rabboni Shalom sets up our world so that one generation follows the next. In order for the next generation to follow, the first generation has to give up. Now that always is difficult. By Moshe Rabbeinu, it says that uh, he couldn't uh, give up uh, his authority to Yoshua in his lifetime. The Medrash says that he attempted to do so. He just came and uh, sat as one of the students while Yoshua was delivering the lecture. And afterwards, he said to God, no, I can't do that. Now, Moshe is Moshe is the most modest of all people. Moshe doesn't need any honors. And yet, he couldn't give it up. Because it's always hard for the generation that's going to pass to give up power, influence, whatever it is, authority. One of the ideas that Chazal discusses is whether there's a mandatory retirement age. So in our world today, we're accustomed to it. Here in Israel, for instance, I think uh, uh, a rov uh, of a community uh, has to retire at 75, or the chief rabbi has to retire at 75. There's a a mandatory retirement age. But Chazal didn't see a mandatory retirement age. They said, as long as I'm alive, I'm still it. I'm doing it. So I don't have to give it up to anybody else. So the Mephorshim explained, and really it's a very subtle idea here, that Moshe has to be taught somehow that he has to give it up. That he can't do it anymore. And that's why Moshe never forgot anything. Whatever they asked him, the people stood on him, he answered all questions. And then the Salmah he couldn't remember it. And we all know that uh, the Lord uh, created us in such a way that as we age, our memory does not necessarily improve. And that's part of the Salmah God is telling him, Moshe. This generation is going, and since it was your generation, then you're going to go with them. And Yoshua has to somehow 
fulfill his role. And he can't do it unless you make way for it. Very, very difficult concept that the idea that all, uh, all people experience. It all goes together. So Moshe doesn't know what to do. Now, the Gemara says that Moshe had taught this halacha in theory previously. In other words, when he said the shir, so he said, and if somebody does a public desecration, a public sexual immoral act that combines with it paganism and so destructive to the Jewish people, there's a halacha. We should do this and this. He forgot that. But he had a Talmud Pinchas. Pinchas is his grandnephew. And he was a student by Moshe. And Pinchas said to him, you know, uh, Uncle Rebbe, don't you remember that you taught us? And in such an instance, even though we always abhor violence, and even though we don't never take the law into our own hands, and even though to punish anyone requires a Sanhedrin, and witnesses, and all sorts of technicalities. But in this instance, kanoi pogimbo. A kanoi, someone who feels, who feels the honor of God and of Israel and of the Torah so deeply that it's, so to speak, uncontrollable for him. It's not being done in cold blood, but it's the heat and passion of the moment that drives him to do it. So, Kachli you taught us this halocha. What do you mean you forgot Moshe? Rebbe, my uncle, you taught us this. And Rashi quotes all of this, Gemara. He remembered what the halacha was. The halacha is kanoim pogimbo. So he said to him the famous phrase, which is uh, a sacrosanct in rabbinic literature. Karaino de igerto iuleheve parvanka. The one who reads the letter is the one that should accomplish the deed. He should be the shliach, the agent, to do what the letter says. So in other words, Moshe is telling Pinchas, oh, you remember the halacha? You're telling me what the halacha is, so go do it. I discussed earlier in the week in Shul, there are those that say that this Gemara uh, is not to be taken literally. 
and that Pinchas did it on his own. It seems from the Yerushalmi that Pinchas did it on his own. But the Bavli has this story in it that I just told you. And that Moshe said to him, You should be the one to do it. And therefore, Omad, he stood up, and he took the spear, the lance in his hand, and he killed both of them. Everybody should see it. And there was a magefa, a plague that killed tens of thousands of Jews, those that bowed and used and cohabited with the Midianite women. And now vateyots are a magefa. Pinchas stops the magefa. I remember uh, this idea of Karina, the Igerta, Hevelevi, Parvanka. You know, in a world where everybody has good ideas, somebody should implement those ideas. Um, Rabbi Lukstein, uh, Rabbi Joseph Lukstein, Zichrona Levracha, had a famous line always that uh, he was a great stickler for decorum in his congregation. And especially when he was delivering a sermon. And once uh, during the sermon, a mother had brought her infant into the women's section and the baby started to cry. And Lukstein looked around and he said, crying babies like good ideas should be carried out. A good idea should be carried out. You know what to do, then do it. You know what's right, then do it. And don't say, you know, it's not up to me, you know. You're aware of what's involved here. You're the one. So therefore, Pinchas is the one that takes the action. Now, my friends, his action is certainly not popular. Rashi quotes at the beginning of this week's Parsha that the Shvotim, the other tribes, so first of all, you kill a leader, you kill a, a tribal leader, the Nosi of Shevet Shimon. So whatever he did, but there is a relationship that he had with all of the other Nassim. Uh, with everybody else. What do you mean you killed them? Who are you? How do you dare take this into your own hand? Sarashi points out that all of the tribes complained. Not only complained, they wanted to lynch Pinchas. They want to say what a menace he is. Look at this. Look what he did. They were not they were not aware of his true kanoos. They weren't aware that he's the 100% kanoi, the only one in the history of the Jewish world. 
So therefore, they thought, well, he's a kanoe like I'm a kanoe, but that doesn't give me the right to kill somebody. And therefore, uh, they wanted to harm him. And that that's the reason for this whole parsha at the beginning is because the Lord, so to speak, has to rehabilitate him. The Lord has to agree with Pinchas. He has to preserve him. And not only that, he reinstates him in the kahuna. Because until now, the only kohanim that we knew were Aaron, and then Nodaviyu, who died without children, and Elozervi Samar. So nobody else was made a coin. So we would have thought, okay, so the Kuhuna was a temporary, temporary uh, status that was compared, conferred on Aaron. When Aaron died, it was conferred on Elozar, who was the Kohen Godel. And Isomer, his brother, and that's it. And they're the only Kohanim. The next generation are not Kohanim. They're Jews like everybody else. Shevet Levi, that's it. The Rebbe Shalom has to restore him. He said, no, that's not the aloha. I'm making a covenant with him. It's an eternal covenant. It's Pinchas and his generations, every coin, all their generations are Priskuna Solo. So that's explicit in the Parsha. The Parsha made it this way. Otherwise, you would say that, you know, the old bad joke my, fa- my father was a coin, my grandfather was a coin, I'd also like to be a coin. Well, that's how it would work, right? If I wasn't appointed a coin, I'm not a coin. The Rabboni Shalom grants to Pinchas this eternal pedigree, so to speak, of Kahuna, being a Kohen. And we find later in Tanakh that Pinchas is the Kohen Godel. And uh, Pinchas is a very, uh, like all human beings, a very complex character. The uh, Medrash says to Gemara that when Yiftach made his ill-fated vow, that whoever uh, comes out of his door first, he will sacrifice to God. And then his daughter came, and he actually did so. So the Gemara says, they could have been maternator. And he made a vow, so, you know, we're Rosh Hashanah, we cancel our vows. Kol Nidre, we cancel our vows. We made the vow, but we didn't realize its consequence. We didn't really take into account all the factors. We didn't know everything then that we know now. So we want the vow canceled. Well, it's canceled. 
So why wasn't this vow canceled? So again, the Medrash in its inimitable fashion points out human nature. Yiftach is the judge. He said, let the Kohen Godel come by me. Pinchas is the Kohen Godel. He said, I'm the Kohen Godel. Let Yiftach come by me. So nobody went by anybody. And the poor girl got killed. So the Mephorshim say that, I don't know how to put it again uh, in, a, uh, in a discreet fashion, but to be that kind of kanoi like Pinchas was, he had to be super ego. You have to be willing to take it on yourself. The whole world doesn't know what to do. I know what to do and I'm going to do it. So that's part of him. That's part of his character. And if that's part of his character, we see it reflected later in different manners. And the story with Yiftach's daughter. So the Torah always, Zeh Sefer told us Adam, the Torah always talks to us about human beings. Human beings are not simple. And it's not easy for us to be judgmental about them. And that's why regarding every human being that's mentioned in the Torah and in Tanakh, there are Midrashim, that trying to fill out the picture for us. So you cannot just take it on the surface. There's more to it that because but not every human being there's more to it than what you see. And only the Rabboni Shalom that's Bochin Kokloyos Valev, that he really knows human beings, is able to judge correctly. So here Pinchas goes ahead and does it. I did it. I said what happened, what should happen, and I did it. And because somebody did it, so the Jewish people were saved. And therefore Pinchas uh, rises to be eternal by us. The the Torah named after him becomes the Kohen Godel. He has great rewards, Bris Kunas Olam. An enormous idea here that lies in Pinchas. Now, just one more little note. How do you spell Pinchas? Well, most uh, of the time, we spell it Peinun Chet Samach. But if you look in the Torah, the Torah spells it Pei Yud Nun Ches Samach with a Yud. So which is which? Which is the right way? I remember when I uh, studied the halachas of how to write a get and how to perform it. So you have to spell the names correctly. So how do you spell Pinchas? With the Yud or without the Yud? 
So the basic rule is the way the person himself spelt it. Spelled it. Most people don't even know that there are two ways to spell their name. What's the Yud? The Yud is one of the letters of God's name. In the Torah, Pinchas is with a Yud to tell us that God is with him. That's part of the idea that the Rabboni Shalom rehabilitated him. I spell it with a Yud, my name is there. My letter is there. I approve of it. Later generations, how people will spell it. So they'll spell it with a Yud, without a Yud. That's not germane anymore. Once the original Pinchas was spelled with a Yud. So these are, uh, you'll notice that in Tanakh and in Hebrew, God's name appears in so many names. Gamliel, Daniel, any Israel. And it's always that sometimes it's Gedal Always God's name is there. Because we want that we should be associated with our creator. So his name is within us. It's part of us. So every time we're called by our name, we remember where we came from, who our creator is. And that's another layer of lesson here that we have in this wonderful parsha of Pinchas uh, that uh, has so many, many ideas and lessons for us to learn. So I want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate the fact that uh, we can have a few moments to learn Torah together. Everyone should be well and have a Shabbat Shalom and that the three weeks that we began today should be, in the words of the Piyut that we read this morning, will become l'sosana l'simcha, will be a time of goodness and of happiness, redemption and joy. Thank you again, and call to Selah.